The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin. It's been a while since you've heard from us, so in case you've forgotten, I'm Tom Valentino. He is Travis Yuley. And three weeks in the making, this is episode number 40 of our Cleveland Sports Podcast. We've been a little busy lately. Uh, last week, I had a little make, or excuse me, I had to make a little work trip to Denver. And uh, Trav, two weeks ago, you were busy getting ready for a wedding. So I have to ask, how's uh, married life treating you? Uh, it's pretty spectacular because it doesn't feel any different than I felt beforehand. So it's, uh, it's all I could hope for and more. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, (laughs) that, uh, that cough you heard in the background is, uh, our, our guest this evening. We, uh, we've got a good one. 2016 high school football season going to be kicking off this weekend and Ohio state starting up next weekend. So we wanted to bring on our old friend John Camp, the uh, lead high school sports writer and the OSU beat writer for the News Herald. Mr. Camp, uh, glad you could join us. Well, I wouldn't miss it. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right, let's uh, let's get into the high school football here first. Uh, News Herald's big season preview is out uh, section in each day of the paper here, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week. And really, everybody out there listening, I'm telling you now, if you live in Lake or Geauga or Eastern Cuyahoga County, um, make sure you go track down some copies of the paper this week. Go get the print edition. Um, it's awesome. The Herald covers, uh, what do you guys do, about 30 schools now? Yeah, we've got 30 schools and uh, a number, I think there's six different conferences that they're a part of. Uh, just tremendous student athletes, great coaches to work with. We've got a very blessed to have a nice high school football group up in this area. Well, and you and... Uh, uh, Go ahead, Trev. I just want to say, I mean, I've obviously, you and I, Tino, both worked at the Herald in the past, um, so we're clearly biased on this, but I live in Lakewood now, so I see the plane dealer. I lived in Columbus for 10 years. I think the News Herald covers the high school sports board better than any local paper I've seen, even, I mean, the ones that have a much larger circulation and uh, fan base. The coverage that they provide is incredible for what they have uh, as far as resources go. Yeah, the uh, well, that's, thanks a lot, Travis. I appreciate that, my friend. The uh, the preview section is always uh, one of my favorite weeks of the year when you guys roll this out. So uh, off to a good start here. We're recording on Tuesday night, and the uh, first two days have been pretty sweet. And I know uh, Wednesday uh, we'll we'll get to part three. But uh, uh, John, just to kind of get us rolling here, what do you see as being um, some of the biggest storylines? And just as you've been visiting with some of these teams in their two days and in their practices, um, what's got your attention so far? Well, I guess yeah, I could probably go into detail about a million different storylines, but three that really jump out in my mind are um, how far Minner is going to go this year. I mean, this is a very, very good front seven on this defensive side. They're deep on the line. They're deep at linebacker where they can just rotate guys in and keep them fresh on defense. And if they can get a good defensive effort to go with what this offense can be, you know, three of their top four receivers are back from last year. Tadis Tadarunas threw for almost 3,000 yards last year as a sophomore and a big 6'5", 225-pound quarterback. I mean, so the offense has unbelievable potential. I think the defense has the the ability to really get after the quarterback with these big guys on the front line and the linebackers. So I think they're going to be pretty special. So there's one storyline that's mentioned. Number two. 
Cam, I hate to interrupt you, but is there is when's the last time how far is Pattern gonna go? Uh, when has that not been the storyline for the new era? Well, the one thing about this team is it's a little different. Is the the defensive depth? They've always been able to score a ton of points, but you always expect that they had to outscore people to go a certain you know distance to the playoffs. This is a type of team where I think that even if the offense has an off night, which I don't think they are, they're not built that way. I think this defense has the ability to hold a lot of people scoreless or in very low numbers. I mean, so I think the difference this year from years past is just the depth that they have on this defense to really create some turnovers and get after the quarterback. Interesting. Okay, nice. So, so a second one to look at is uh, Kirtland. I mean, you look at, you know, last year a lot of people thought they were going to slow down a little bit, and they went on and won a state championship. This year, this is the biggest Kirtland team I have ever seen. I mean, not only that they have 80 boys out, which is probably three-quarters of the uh, – male population in the school but they're physically big i mean they've got three or f- three kids that are about six three six four 280 pounds they've got a couple of 225 pounders online they come out one package where they've got three 280 pounders on the line two 225 pounders and their regular guard who's 240 they put him at the fullback position and run the stack guy with that now i don't know how fair it is to run to give a 240-pound kid a running start to block somebody, but they just go up and down the field and sledgehammer people. So, you know, I think this is a different type of Kirtland team because they're so big. They're young. They've got a really big sophomore and junior class. We'll see how that goes from this year. But when's the last time we bet against Kirtland, right? Yeah. The question I always have with Kirtland is they're, they're Division six, and that that's always, always sort of there in the background, I think. How how good would they be if they were to move up a little bit? Well, they have stood toe to toe. The one scrimmage I went to, they tied Perry two two touchdowns apiece, and they were zero to zero with East Lake North. Now North is Division Two, and Perry is Division Four, a very good Division Four team. And then um, with their last scrimmage, Jambree, they played Jefferson, who's a Division Four team. And they went zero to zero with them. So they're standing toe to toe with those guys. And that's not even game plan. And no one game plans for a scrimmage. You just go out and do what you do. You don't study the other team. So I would like their chances against some of the uh, Division 5 and 4 teams in the area just because uh, they're so physical. But yeah, you never know. I mean, we'll, we'll find out right off the bat because they open up with uh, Chagrin Falls, who's Division 3. And then their next game. Well, they might be down to Division Two this year or Division Four this year, and then their second game is against Grand Valley, who's Division Four. So they're going to play a couple of bigger schools right off the bat. All right, you mentioned Chagrin Falls. Um, that's a one of those schools that had some real great playoff runs here in the past few years, um, and I think last year uh, was it just last year that they they kind of dropped a little bit. I know they had had kind of a speed bump here at, at one point recently. Um, what are you seeing out of them this year? Are they going to kind of get back up into the mix? Yeah, Chagrin Falls is going to be just a different type of team than they have been years past. They're really big and experienced up front. They've got a 300-pounder up there. They've got uh, Jack Dawson, 6'3", 275 pounds, a very smart, brilliant type of young man who, um, multi-sport athlete, great wrestler as well. 
they lost their quarterback or running backs and receivers. So they're going to be young in the skill positions, but I really like the size and the uh, experience that they have on that front line. So I think they'll be more of a running team. Like Coach Imarino told me this year, uh, a couple months ago, that this year their game against Kirtland will take 45 minutes because neither team is going to run the ball or pass the ball. <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of a lost art these days. I feel like uh, on the occasions that I get out and see high school games, there's just more and more teams that are trying to run the spread, trying to throw it more. And I feel like there are some teams that are equipped to do that sort of thing and they can really put up some real crooked numbers. And there are other teams that just – kind of struggle with that a little bit and it turns games into like three and a half hour marathons um where do you see that trend going are, are, are teams getting more pass happy is the is running almost becoming a lost art for a lot of teams you're exactly right and i think that you know maybe 10 15 years ago that's why passing teams were so successful because no one did that no one practiced it well now everybody does it everybody practices it so the teams who just run the ball maybe run that wing t or the stack guy like like uh kirtland does no one practices that so when you play against it it's really hard to game plan because no one does it anymore and you know that's going to lead me to another team that i really am looking forward to this year is chardon because they run that wing t a lot of misdirection a lot of fakes and that's so hard to prepare for because how do you, how do you practice against it? You don't see it. You see it one time a year, and it's, that's when you play Chardon. It's just really tough, and I, that's why I think this Chardon team is going to be very, very special this year. Oh, the, the Chardon wing tee—that's like a wingtip shoe, man. That just uh, never goes out of style. They've been running that forever. And this is probably their best team since 1998. Uh, if you talk to Coach Hewitt, he's been there for it all. He played on that state championship team back then. And, um, you know, back in 94, 98, he had some great teams down there. And uh, this team is going to stack right up there with them, I do believe. I mean, they're really big up front. Uh, I think the smallest one on the line is 230 pounds. They've got their quarterback, Tommy Beninati's back. And if you got if you need someone to run the wing tee, that's the type of kid. He's a 4.0 student. He's the fastest player on the team. So, and he makes decisions. And when he makes them, he's quick once he's gone with the ball. They've got um, Chase Klein, a uh, Chardon boy who moved back from NDCL. He's a 6'4", 225-pound middle linebacker who, honestly, I watch him in the scrimmage. He looks like Luke Keekley. He's so stinking big out there. And uh, he just like... His, his angles towards the ball are so fast. I mean, I really like the Chardon team. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they make a pretty decent playoff run. Interesting. Uh, Trev, I know there's one that's uh, a, a good old rivalry um, that we're quite familiar with that uh, I know you wanted to ask about. Yeah, of course. The, the, the legendary Battle of Painsville. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to say it's at like 23 or 24 games. Uh, that my alma mater has uh, beat the crosstown rival uh, Red Raiders, which I liked to remind C. Lil back when I was at the Herald. Um, and somehow since then, they still have not managed in that streak. Is this the year? That's going to be tough. I mean, I really – I thought yeah, that Harvey had tr- – That's I a no. Tr- <laughs> <laughs> I really like that skill set that Harvey had last year and the entire skill set is is um graduated you know david holbert trey smith um isaiah haynes that was a really good skill set last year and they didn't win the game last year i i think that maybe in the line this year harvey's got some maybe a little bit of advantage they're just they're big up front seth herringdean is a big uh tough guy in the middle of that offense and defensive line six four two eighty five but um the entire skill set is replaced i like how fast zach shearer 
and uh, Jay Gunn Allborn are for Harvey. But boy, I tell you what, Riverside's got more depth and they've got more experience on the defensive side of the ball. So if they can keep that speed in front of them, then they'll be okay. I would I, if you had if you had to pin me down for a prediction right now, I would say that uh, Riverside's going to extend that streak. That's what I like to hear. In, in terms of some teams to watch this year, you know, we've, we've covered Menor, Kirtland, uh, Chardon. Even Chagrin Falls. These are a lot of the uh, the legacy programs of the area, the the show ponies, if you will. Are, are there any programs that maybe have been down in recent years that you think this is going to be the year that they're going to break out and turn some heads? I think two of them come into mind, and you're going to really go, "Wow, really?" And that's North and Brush. They have really made some strides under new coaches. You know, Sean Dodd. This is his second year at the program. His alma mater, uh, Jeff Fink. This is second year out of. Or, third year out of brush and uh they've really just changed the culture at these programs you watched i watched north scrimmage and uh system in practice the junior class is huge they've got 280 to 295 pounders throughout that junior class they've got a very good quarterback jake tansky who's uh cousin bart tansky won a mr football award at mentor they've got a couple really big 190 pound running backs they're they're not the George Gresco teams that we were used to from a handful of years ago where they threw the ball over the universe. This is a team that I think is going to pick and choose their spots to throw the ball, but they're going to set it up by throwing some haymakers with that running game. I like the physicality of North. I like how they're coming out. They're going after people. They're not playing on their heels. They're just full steam ahead playing downhill football. And then uh, you look over at uh, Brush. I started to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit when I saw them in seven-on-sevens because they threw the ball around very effectively. But, of course, how good are you going to be once there's people running at you, defenders? Well, in their scrimmages, they played well, too. They're big up front. You know, Tyrone Chambers is a 6'4", 330-pounder who's going to the University of Cincinnati. they got a couple other big kids on that line. If they can protect that skill, they're going to put points on the board. So I think that those are two, two teams to keep an eye out for in the uh, Western Reserve Conference. All right. Now, I'm glad you mentioned the Western Reserve Conference because this this is a relatively new league, right? I mean, it, it's been around for what a, a couple of years now because that like that was like an old name that yes. got uh, it resurfaced with a, a new collection of teams. Are there any? Was there any conference movement this year? No, we're pretty much right where we were. No, there's one. Geneva came into the CVC. Well, no, that was last year too. No, we didn't have any um, conference moves last year. There was a lot. This year, there's not. Yeah. The, the WRC was a brand new league that they just brought an old name back into the fray. You know, Geneva last year jumped into the CVC, and um, you know the GCC you know, formed last year. So no, this year everybody's right where they were. But uh, I think it's just the second year of everybody getting used to those new digs. All right, so yeah, so this year it's it's a pretty stable uh, scene. But like you said, there's been a lot of movement in recent years, and. You know, that, that kind of follows what we've seen at the college level. And, you know, with college, it, it's all about really uh, TV more than anything. And, and it's a dollars and cents thing. I've not really understood, like, what is the whole motivation for teams shuffling around so much in terms of conference alignment at the high school level? A lot of it just comes down to football. And uh, so many other schools, you know, pay a price because they're getting jerked around to conference to conference because of football success or lack of success. And I think that that's what uh, really brought about some changes last year. Uh, people in the old NOC, Northeast Ohio Conference, weren't happy. So you saw everybody just splinter in different directions. Some went to the uh, Suburban League, some went to the GCC, some went out uh, west towards Rocky River. So that, that league just really splintered. 
the uh, the genesis of the Western Reserve Conference, you had five big schools, and then the other three schools that really didn't fit into the mix there were Lakeside, which is all the way out in Ashtabula University School, which didn't have girls' sports to join in with the other girls' uh, sports from the old Premier Athletic Conference. And uh, you had Geneva, who was out in Nashville County, and they were like the smallest fish in a big pond. So I think everybody just found a better home to be at. And uh, we'll see how – I like how these all fit. I think that Geneva found a home that they're really comfortable in size-wise and talent-wise with the CVC. I think the WRC really brings everybody in. I mean, the smallest fish in that pond is Chardon, and they might run the table this year. So it's kind of hard for them to uh, to play a card of, you know, what is us if we're small and we're going to beat everybody. And um, then the, the – it's always going to be a hard to find a fit for mentor because they're just so much bigger than everybody else. But it seems like everybody's kind of happy in that league. You know, you got Mentor, Euclid, Brunswick, Solon. A lot of schools, Strongsville, have played each other before anyway. So I think that's a pretty stable conference. I'm not naive enough to think that we're not moving again. But I think right now everybody's got a pretty decent fit. All right. Trev, are there any other teams that you wanted to ask about? Not teams. Um, you gave us the teams to look at and the ones you think that will make some noise. Are there any, like, what sort of players, I guess, who should we expect to see uh, their big faces on that uh, varsity, NH varsity team at the end of the year and possibly see them, you know, contributing on Saturdays, maybe over the next couple of years? Well, at the risk of leaving somebody out, there's always names that are going to stick out in my head. I think right off the bat, you know, Tadis Tadarunas, he could or should throw for more than 3,000 yards this year for Mentor. Another name that a lot of people are not going to be familiar with is a young man down at university school named Jaden Cunningham. He's a 6'3", 190-pound junior who um, he could feasibly throw for 2,500 and run for 1,000 this year. He's just a tremendous athlete. And in Ben Malbasa's system, uh, he's going to they're going to spread and get bodies out of the box with those great receivers like Brad Rehack. And um, I think if they get those bodies out of the box – he can either throw the ball or he can find those seams and run for big yardage. Those are two quarterbacks to really keep an eye on. Uh, we lost some really good running backs last year, but a couple of them that stick out in my mind. Michael Canganelli from uh, Mayfield, my goodness. I think if, you're, if your last name's Canganelli, you're going to run for 1,000 yards. That's just uh, that's just how it is. Oh, yeah, you know, just tremendous. You know, another quarterback keep an eye on, Michael Federico over at South. He threw for 2,500 yards last year. And this is a third year starting for the Rebels this year. So I like him as well. Um, you know, I just think we've got I – mean, look at Kirtland. I mean, every year they've got a 1,500-yard rusher. It's hard to pinpoint it this year because they've got four different kids that have been running the ball back there. Two of them are really big, Kevin Dages and Gage Ward, and a couple of the other ones, you know, uh, Joey Torok, are a little bit smaller. So um, I'm not sure who's going to settle in as the bell cow back there. They might just have four guys that run for 800 yards apiece, and I think they'd take that too. Great receiver, Brad Rehack from uh, University. We already touched on him. I really like his skill sets. I look at the um, – Quarter the Stephen Baird I, I, over at Mentor, he's looked real good this year. Another good running back, Josh Corbin from Lake Catholic. Big physical team over there. Uh, I mean, I expect them to come back and play well. Decathlon Reese from Benedictine, probably the best one of all of them. Just a tremendous athlete. Wait, uh, did you just say his name is Decathlon? Decathlon. <laughs> yes, right. Deca- you, yeah, you know, if your name is Decavalon Reese, uh, that's such a cool name. You're not allowed you to stink, right? Athletic, you correct. better be good if your name's Decavalon Reese. 
Um, their scrimmage the other day with Mentor, he took a pitch around the outside, and I swore he ran around the corner like he was on rails. Even after the scrimmage, Trevisano was like, wow, did you see that? That, that? that kid's pretty special. And, you know, for Coach Trevisano to say that about someone else, yeah, he's special. Hmm. All right, so I saw you posted the first top of the crop of the year. Uh, any backlash so far, or is everybody um, willing to, to, to let it ride for a week here and get some games under our belt? I haven't had any yet, believe it or not. I haven't got any tweets about it, and I haven't gotten text messages or emails, but I'm anticipating it by morning if people haven't seen it online. It's going to come out in the paper tomorrow. I mean, there's just certain things you don't know about. I was really impressed with what I saw. With, I mean, the top three, I think, are really separate themselves. Mentors, number one. Number two is a Chardon. I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid. I like that team a lot. Number three, Euclid. I like the size and athleticism and the energy that Coach Rotsky brings. Okay. Uh, you know, number four, I thought Benedictine played real well in the scrimmage against Mentor. So they're there. I got, um, I believe I got, Kurt, uh, no, I got Lake Catholic coming in. Yeah, you got Lake, yeah, Lake Catholic at four and Benny at five. And I saw Lake Catholic, you know, they, they really physically overpowered both Perry and Madison. And uh, prior to the scrimmages, I probably wouldn't have thought that. I would have had Perry and Madison ahead of them. So I try to get out and see as many scrimmages as I can. So I get a good feel for these guys. But yeah, if, if we, you know, we got Benedictine at five, we're going to follow up with Perry and Madison. And you know what? We'll find out. They're going to play in week three. We'll find out how good those guys are. And um, they're going to play each other. And then after that, you know, it's, you could probably juggle the last couple any way you want to back there. But I, you know, I got put Brush and North in there just because from what I've seen, they deserve that nod. Now, Chagrin Falls could slip in there. University could certainly slip in there. South, they lost such a tremendous line last year. You know, um, I like their skill. I like Federico. I like Devonir Conliff. You know, if they block for him, look out. Yeah, those those eight, nine, ten spots in the crop always tend to be a revolving door just from what I remember when I was on the staff there. So um, I'm sure that'll be a good opportunity to see some other teams um, popping up as we go along. Hey, I wanted to shift gears here just a little bit, um, and I'm just as somebody who used to, you know, be a member of the sports staff, and and it's been almost ten years now since I was doing this full time. Wow, I, I know, right? Um, I mean, okay. I've popped in, and, and flies. It, it does. It really does. I was thinking about that today, just when I was reading some of the the stories, and I was just kind of thinking back to some of the the sections that we had worked on in the past, and. I know uh, uh, Howard uh, Howard Primer um, from the sports staff has been sharing some pictures. Um, I think uh, on social media there with just some of the past covers, and I remember like the uh, the mascots shooting or uh, playing poker, which is probably one of the most fun work days I think I've ever had. Yes, um, that was terrific. But you know, it just where, where I'm going with this is I'm just kind of wondering, like, um, what does like a typical Friday night during high school football season look like for you now? Like what does the work day look like when you know you've got to go cover a game that night and, and just everything that leads up to it and then what you're doing during the game and then um, afterwards uh, until uh, the paper goes to press? Well, I think I really start going earlier in the day and um, I try to get nine or 18 holes in just to clear my mind a little bit. Um, but yeah, once we get into the office here, you know, you, you, the, the, the game has changed so much from a news writer's point of view. I mean, you've got Twitter now. You've got tweeting. There's so many things you do for as far as social media goes. Um, it just changes what you did. It's not just going in and 
running a play-by-play on one sheet of paper and keeping stats on the other. I mean, you're going down and talking to coaches before the game, you know, seeing who might be injured. It may be off the record, but as soon as the game starts, it's no longer off the record because you notice they're not out there. But uh, you go down and see the coaches before the game, get your things set up in the press box, you know, take a couple pictures, uh, put them out on Twitter, um, go out and see who won the coin toss and uh, see what the – gamesmanship is who wants to, to receive the ball to start the game get that early momentum or maybe defer till the second half it, it, i just like getting down there and reading people's minds and their reactions to how the game is going the flow of the game is going to go sometimes weather comes into play you know if you see that there's a uh, strong wind coming from one end of the field well you might decide that you're going to defer your choice in the second half so you got the wind behind your back in the fourth quarter uh just so that uh, that's a lot of stuff that happens before the game you know, um, you're updating things on the website and on Twitter as you go. And then you've got to get a story, a quick story up ASAP after the game ends. And then you uh, start deciphering quotes and um, put your story together. You got videos to post after you do your interviews. You got videos to put online. And uh, it's just a different game. It's a, it's a long day. You know, I'm usually getting rolling. You know, probably about 4.30 or so with my preparation. And by the time you get out of the office, it's probably one thirty, maybe borderline 2 o'clock on a Friday night. I think I got out of the game at the right time. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. It is so much different. You know, I was just telling someone today, I ran into them. They were asking me how the business is going. And I said, it's what I studied for in college. This is not what I'm doing right now. I mean, back then, uh, my, my professors told me, don't use a tape recorder. It's not reliable. Just uh, write it out. Well, now you almost can't do that because you're shooting video here and you're, you're trying to put up the touts or you know, certain videos online. Uh, you're, everything's so digital first that uh, you've got to you know, keep up with the Joneses, for lack of a better term. So it's a, different, it's a different ball of wax than what it was when you were here, Tom. And even you, Travis. I mean, gosh, back in those days, you know, people would call in their box scores. Well, now you're getting stuff you know, sent to you in email. Uh, people are taking pictures and texting it to you with uh, their box score information. So, yeah, so it's they a, can't blame me for spelling the name wrong anymore. No, no. You see, that's why you should come. You should come back, man. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, not sure if my old lady would agree with that, but I'm not sure she'd like you being called the old lady. Yeah, she's now. Do you even have to go into the office anymore? Like, I remember you know, I would sit there and I'd start answering phones and then shortly after the, the guys that went and covered games would start funneling in and, 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 and typing their stuff up. Do you even have to bother going in anymore, though? You could probably get away with it. Like, so many so many times I'm on the road. Like, last year I was uh, went to the Mentor and St. Xavier game, which is down in Cincinnati. And uh, you can post stuff right to the web. I mean, I can, ac- I can access our system from my home computer. So I, you can do all that stuff, but it's also nice to be in the office to help out, to proofread, to type in box scores. Uh, so, yes, yeah, if you're going to make it a total team effort like we like to do, yeah, it's kind of important to be in here on those Friday nights and, uh, you know, pitch in so that way everybody's getting things taken care of. And if there's anything problem that happens, we got a lot of people, a lot of hands here to troubleshoot. So if you're you're talking about all the stuff that you're doing during the game in, in terms of like, I mean, you're trying to get some photos and you're definitely putting stuff up on Twitter and whatnot. Does it change the way you watch the game and, and get a feel for what's actually like unfolding in front of you? Because like it used to be you could just kind of, you know, track stats and, and, and watch. And, and now, I mean, you're you're basically spinning four plates on sticks at the same time. 
Yeah, actually, it's not too bad. Maybe I'm just got used to it after a while. You know, I've got the sheet to my right is my my running stat sheet where I you know, have all the names and the carries and what yards they got. And so everything's on that sheet. The one on my left is uh, columnized, and I do my play by play on that one. My computer's out in front of me. Where it's where it can get tough if is you have two teams that are running shotgun spread, no huddle, and they are being very efficient doing it. The one thing about shotgun spread no huddle is the clock usually stops a lot because it's either an incomplete pass, a touchdown, or a first down, and the clock stops after all of those. But if you've got an efficient team that's moving the ball consistently, the clock, you know, if they're not throwing incomplete passes, well, I tell you what, it's fast. If you got two teams doing that, it can be a lot to keep up with. But so far, it has not been a problem. I guess maybe I just got used to it. All right. So the last thing I want to ask you about social media is, you know, a lot of it and a lot of what we've talked about to this point has been like the content that you're putting out there. But I mean, at the same time, like we know that kids that are playing on these teams that you're covering, I mean, they're active on there. Are, I mean, are you looking at like when they're tweeting stuff out at all or do you try to like keep that stuff at an arm's length? How, how does that work? It, you know, I know, yeah, I notice it just because, yeah, I look, you know, if I get like, I try to, if anybody has questions on Twitter, if they send me a message or something for either a private message or a public message asking me a question about it, you know, I try to answer, I try to be engaging on social media just because I think that's part of it. I think that, you know, they want to know what's going on. They want to know, hey, how's so-and-so doing tonight? And I'll answer them back. Uh, what surprises me is how many kids answer there's, there's people that are retweeting who played in the game before I even get back to my car. Those kids that must go right to the locker room as soon as the coach is done talking to them before they even take off their uniform, they're taking out their cell phone and checking Twitter. It's amazing how many kids uh, are retweeting things before I'm even back in my car. That's got to give coaches nightmares. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's got to be. You know, I've even had a couple – God, I tell you what, if word got out who they were, um, players, like softball players – that's where I saw it, uh, retweeting something during a game. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that? During a game? During a game, yeah. Oh, my. I was. I actually responded back. I said, are you serious? You're on Twitter right now? And um, I assumed that it was them. And I guess it could have been a family member. But how many family members are on their kids' <laughs> right. you know, their uh, Twitter account? But, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's amazing how many things get retweeted like that. And, um you know, I'm not judgmental on Twitter. I mean, you don't want to, you know, you never put a high school kid down. They're out there, you know, working their butt off for their, their school and their teammates. You know, if someone fumbles, I don't, you know, call somebody out on Twitter. That's not what high school sports is about. This is probably a good time for us to mention that uh, if you want to follow all of John's stuff um, on Twitter um, during the uh, the football season and beyond, at NH Preps, right? That's the uh, the handle there. Yes, sir. Yeah, we um, just passed 7,900 followers this week. Wait, is so, J.K. Um, Buckeyes not in action anymore? No, J.K. Buckeyes just want to do it for the Ohio State and the pro sports. Oh, okay. Yeah, because right. if, I, if I mix those up, if I start writing about, if I start tweeting about high school sports in my Ohio State and Browns handle, uh, yeah, I'm going to lose everybody because they really, really don't care. But uh, And vice versa. If I'm type, typing in the high school stuff, or you know, college stuff on the high school one. So yeah, so I just have two of them, and I try to uh, wherever I am, I just divide it up equally. All right, Trev. Any uh, anything else on the high school front you wanted to get into? 
Uh, no, I think that covers it. Menor and Kirtland are the two that have a pretty good chance at winning a title. You said Chardon, maybe anyone else that you think could legit win a state title? You know, Benedictines in Division Four. they've got a new coach, Carter Wheelow. Um, he came over from St. Ignatius, and uh, he's very young this year. They graduated a tremendous senior class last year. But uh, yeah, if they can catch their footing, they are in Division Four, which means that they would not run into Akron Hoban in the playoffs because Hoban's three and Hogan, Hoban's like pretty filthy. So um, I think that, uh, right now, I would say that, you know, I, I'm interested to see how Chardon does. The one thing about Chardon with that running offense, not to backtrack, with a running offense, you're not built to come back. But let's be honest, how many? I don't know how often they're going to trail. They can go out there eighth and just run the ball down the field. And Coach Hewitt's always been in the mindset, if it's fourth and two or shorter, we're going to go for it because we like our chances to be able to get one and a half yards. So um, I, I like I like to see what Chardon can be. I love Manor's explosiveness. And no matter how young Kirtland is, by time week 11 rolls around, those young kids aren't young kids anymore. They're veterans. So um, I think you saw a big growth curve for them last year. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they make a similar run this year. All right. Good stuff. Hey, let's, uh, let's shift gears here. Um, you mentioned the J.K. Buckeyes Twitter handle. For your Ohio State stuff and and when you uh, dip your toe into the water with the pros, um, let, let's talk Buckeyes here. Uh, major uh, major roster turnover. Um, I think they've got what out of their twenty two uh, starters, offense and defense, they've only got six guys back from last year. They had uh, twelve players drafted into the NFL. Uh, nine of them were uh, underclassmen. What uh, what do you see in store for the Buckeyes this year? You know, I think they're going to be better than people think they're going to be. It reminds me a lot of two years ago when they were a lot of freshmen, redshirt freshmen and sophomores who no one really knew who they were. And then they just came on. I'm not going to say they're going to go undefeated and win the national championship, but this is a very talented team. They just don't have the field experience. I think that Urban said that 45 of their 88 top players or whatever have never played in a football game. I mean, that That's kind of hard to uh, – you cannot simulate – real game action just in practice. So, you know, it's going to be important for them to get off to a good start, win those first couple games, and see what happens in week three down in Norman, Oklahoma. But I, I do like this team. I think they're better than people think, and I expect them to have a pretty good year. I mean, to, to that end, though, they are number six in the AP preseason top 25, and I, I always kind of wrinkle my nose at, at that just because of uh, – I mean, we haven't seen these teams on the field yet, and and I think those, especially there's some regionalism in the voting, and some some of the voters tend to go towards the familiar names. But um, do you feel like that's a fair ranking for this group? That might be a little lofty. I'm not sure if they deserve six, but um, I do think the ability is there to be six or higher. Uh, I think that some people just know the same thing. That Ohio State's brought in some really good recruits these last couple of years. And, of course, it doesn't hurt to have J.T. Barrett running the show at quarterback. Their coach is okay, too. Yeah, yeah. And he is always best. And, Travis, I think you would agree with this. He's always best when he can push that button that he it's us that against the world. Yep. Yeah. When he, had, he played it when he was in Florida. He played it at Utah, played it at Bowling Green. And that one year at Ohio State when they won the championship, he was able to push it. It wasn't until last year when something was taken away from them. He goes, hey, look, everybody thinks you stink. And they came out and they played great how they were supposed to play. Trev, how are you feeling as uh, um, 
a dyed in the wool scarlet and gray uh, 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 Buckeye man there. I think I, I probably agree with uh, John. I think six is probably it's not that they don't have the talent, you know, that they have the players, but you, how can you put a team six when you've seen so little of them? Um, there's, I mean, there's a few teams, obviously your Bama and Clemson this year have shown, um, they return a, a fair amount of talent. Um, but I think in Phil Steele's thing, and I love Phil Steele. It's one of my favorite days of the year is when that magazine comes out and I can go grab it and read it. But, um, he ranked the Buckeyes dead last in the country in experience. And that might not necessarily be a deal breaker. Um, Urban's shown that he can get those guys ready to play pretty quickly. Um, but they got a week three meeting with Oklahoma, um, which will be a huge test for them, I think, obviously. Um, I don't see any reason they can't win the Big Ten. Um, I think every team, they're going to have more talent than just about every team they'll play against with the possible exception of Oklahoma. So if Urban can push the right buttons, like you said, and get those guys to you know, play up to that ability, I don't see the reason they can't have a hell of a season. John, how do you feel about the uh, the Big Ten race? I I think that Ohio State is in a great position. Michigan's got to come to the horseshoe this year, and I think that's the biggest threat. I think that Michigan State takes a little bit of a step back this year just because I mean, you, to lose the people they've lost, you know, Shalit Calhoun on the defensive side, you know, the big offensive lineman, they lose Connor Cook, who's been there since like my eighth grade year of high school. I mean, those guys, that's tough to replace all that. And I think teams are going to jam that box and take away LJ Scott and make Tyler O'Connor beat them. And so I, I, I think Michigan State is one that could take a fall this year. Um, I like Michigan a lot, but I think Ohio State's in a really good position where uh, they've got athletes. And Lord, I tell you, if they come out and if they win in week three, but let's not look past week one. I tell you what, Bowling Green, I know that's a that's a very good team. That's a team that a lot of people think are going to win the MAC this year. They probably will win the MAC this year. That's going to be a decent test because there's a bunch of kids over there on a Bowling Green team that were told that Ohio that they're not good enough to play at Ohio State. So I think that Ohio State's going to um, get a good push from the Falcons this year. They may have been told that, John, but that was true. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. I know we always hear that, and every few years I feel like we see one of those games where, you know, some some very highly ranked team comes out a little slow, but they don't have a chance in that game. Right? They shouldn't. On talent-wise, they shouldn't. But you remember that Cincinnati game a couple years ago where um, they came down and they really played – I think Brian Roll was a senior at Ohio State that year, and they played him very, very tight. And I think it came down to an interception late in the game. I'm not saying that's going to happen this year, but if you get an experienced Bowling Green team who's got a chip on his shoulder, the best thing you have to do is take them out of the game early so they, the longer they hang around, the longer they think they belong in the game. And if you've got a bunch of young kids like Ohio State, you don't know how they're going to react. Like I said, 44 of these kids have never played in a game before. So um, you let them stick around too long, and it could bite you. I don't think it will. But that's a game that they better not sleepwalk through. John, have you had a chance to look into any of the uh, other schools and other programs around the country? Um, just because, like, I was looking at the at the rankings here, and the one that kind of jumped out to me was LSU being ranked number five after uh, it, it seemed like Les Miles was going to get fired last year, and then all of a sudden he, he keeps his job and gets a stay of execution at the last minute. So... That was a team that seemed like they were really kind of off track, and now all of a sudden they're back in the top five and right in the mix for uh, the, the national title discussion again. 
they love Leonard Fournette, the voters do. And I think a lot of that is just, you know, in deference to him. Um, if, because he says it's so hard to stop. But I mean, I, I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid yet. I do not think, I would not surprise me at all if they're not in the top 10 by the season's end. Um, they're a nice team. I'm not sure that they're, I, I honestly don't know if they're better than Ohio State. Um, I just think that that's, you know, I, I like Fournette. I just don't think that they're that high up on the totem pole. I like a lot of other teams in the SEC better than I like them. All right. You know, speaking of Fournette, um, is this the last year that he'll have to play in college before he can turn pro, or is, does he have two years to yeah. go? I think this is it. Okay, so that's kind I'm of one of those things. I, go ahead. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. I do not know the background of his, but I think that this is it. Um, my goodness, I tell you what, he sure is built to play in the NFL. And, you know, a guy like that who's a running back, your shelf life of a running back is very short anyway. So, uh, yeah, if he, if he can go, he should. So here's the controversial question. What does he have to gain by playing this year? Not a lot, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows what he can do. He's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's durable. The only thing that he has is something to lose, and that's um, more wear and tear on his body or something worse, maybe uh, a bad injury that we've seen running backs get in years past. You know. Yeah, it's, we saw uh, a few years ago the kid Lattimore from South sure. Carolina. Like, he... I mean, he was expected to be, you know, sort of that same tier. Maybe not quite as good, but um, he was, I mean, looked at as you know, the best running back in the draft and a first-round pick probably, and he never recovered from that injury. And yeah, and, you know, I think that there, at some point they almost have to address that, that uh, you don't want to draft kids right out of high school. I don't think that's – they're not physically ready for that. But maybe a year, maybe, yeah, to, to something, because there are people that could play, especially – you know, Fournette, you look at him, he's a tank. I mean, he could run some people over. Um, you know, I I think he deserved a shot if he wanted to go last year. But, uh, you know, I don't make those decisions. But, I, you know, hey, if I'm, a, if I'm a college player and I'm seeing my best years evaporate when the colleges are making money off me and I'm not making any money, yeah, that kind of stinks for them. Would he have gone ahead of Zeke last year? I'm going to say no, just because I think that Zeke is a more complete running back. I mean, I... You could you could give Fournette the ball all day long. I don't think there's a running back. We haven't seen a running back in a number of years who blocked as well as Ezekiel uh, Elliott did, picking up blitzes, just chipping defensive ends or something. Like that. He's just a tremendous blocker, and he's very good in the passing game. And we haven't seen that out of Fournette at the same level that we've seen of Elliott. Maybe it would have just because he's younger, and maybe that evens things out a little bit. But I just think what Elliott does, I mean, he's about as complete back as we've seen in a long time. Everything that you've said about Fournette up to this point is kind of why I'm I'm putting a big question mark over LSU at five, just because like if everybody is counting on him to have a big year, I just have to wonder if he's going to be. Uh, I don't want to say going into business for himself, but uh, self preservation a little bit, and and just um, that might not be the warhorse that's uh, carrying the ball forty times a game this year and carrying that team on his back for the entire season. Uh, it's very valid. Yeah, you know, um, Jadavian Clowney was in the same situation where everybody thought that, you know, he didn't have a lot to prove coming back. And he re- he kind of went into shutdown mode his last year where he didn't come out and really play as well as people thought he was going to. Of course, you've got everybody, you know, he's probably getting triple teamed at times. You also had, I, I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's 
eight defenders who are focused on Fournette and say, hey, somebody else beat us, but it's not going to be him. So um, that, that's tough. That's really tough. And I agree with you. I'm not drinking that LSU Kool-Aid. I think they could be a nice team. I don't think they're a national championship threat, though. Who do you see um, any teams that uh, maybe could surprise either in the Big Ten or, or be, maybe be like a, a, a possible – um, surprise playoff entrant, cracking that, that playoff four. I'm not sure how big of a surprise they are just because uh, they're big schools, but I think Michigan is really good this year and better than people think. I mean, if they fix their running game just a little bit, they have not been able to run the ball in about five years. Um, if, if they could get a 3,000-yard passing performance out of that guy they had last year, he can get a 3,000 performance passing anybody. They just got to run the ball better. I mean, I like Jordan Lewis on defense. Obviously, Peppers is one of the best around Worley. I mean, that's a really good defense that Michigan has. Um, they they are good enough to end up in the Final Four. There's no doubt about that. Notre Dame's got to pick a quarterback. I think we've all seen what happens when you split quarterbacks. Brian Kelly's already said that you know Malik Zaire and Kaiser are going to both play in the first game. I'm not a big fan of that. I for football's sake, I hope that they pick one. And I like Stanford. I mean, I like what they do. They, um, they're almost like the current one of NCAA football. They just come out there, they close down those splits, and they just bash you. And McCaffrey, that's my pick to win the Heisman Trophy this year. I really like McCaffrey. All right. Any, any last uh, thoughts on the Buckeyes? Anything else that you're looking for out of them this year before we uh, let you get out of here? I, just, I like some of these young kids coming in. The receivers... I, that, I think that's a really big key for them. That's my biggest key for that team is uh, the receivers because you know Noah Brown was hurt, missed all last year. Corey Brown, or Corey Smith hurt last year. We never really saw Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin take off last year as a redshirt freshman. Austin Mack is a true freshman. That's going to be the big question. There. I think that they've got very good running backs, even without Briante Dunn, who I'm not a big fan of. I thought Michael Weber was going to win that position anyway. Curtis Samuel, I think you're going to see him run the ball, but they got to have someone to catch the ball. And right now that's the one position that doesn't have much proven quantity to it. All right. Well, uh, got a, got a couple of weeks here to figure it out before uh, the trip down to Oklahoma, but uh, should be an interesting season for the Buckeyes here. Um, John, good stuff all around. Really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to join us. This has been fun. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime guys. I, uh, Miss working with you guys and see you in around, but I always try to catch as many of your uh, podcasts as I can. You guys do a great job and great people. Appreciate, Appreciate that. Good man. All right. So, yeah, again, everybody, go out and buy the uh, the News Herald uh, high school uh, preview sections this week. Uh, get the paper uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Really, you should be, you know, keeping up with the News Herald coverage anyway. Um, always doing a great job. And, again, you can keep up with John on Twitter. Um, for high school stuff at NH Preps and for college and pros at JK Buckeyes. As for us, uh, I know it's been a little bit of a slow month here in August, but with football kicking off and uh, the Indians headed down the stretch, we're going to have a lot of good stuff to talk about, and uh, we're going to get back into our normal weekly schedule. Um, We hope you will uh, subscribe to our show on iTunes or Google Play Music or Stitcher, and uh, go like our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash Podcast. All right, I think that'll uh, that'll about do it for us for this week. For Travis Yuley, I am Tom Valentino. This has been The Nail in the Coffin, and we will talk to you again next week. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. 
You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.